You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Come on, come on. Awesome. Okay. Well, I need somebody. I need somebody to please, please let me know if you came ready for a word tonight. Okay, okay. I need you to do whatever you need to do tonight to lean in, whatever you need to do to just dial in with me, to block out the distractions, because we are kicking off a brand spanking new series called Squad Goals. Squad Goals starts tonight. I need you to uh, look to your neighbor, let them know I do this for my squad. I need you to look to your other neighbor and say, I do this for my gang. I do this for my squad, I do this for my game. If you, if you know what I'm referring to, that song was stuck in my head all week this week as I was writing. No, I'm not going to sing it again. Maybe later. But uh, so pray for me because it is just like, even right now, it's just like blaring in my head. I do this for my squad, I do this. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Before we get into this message, I want to play a little game with you guys because we're in a series talking about friendship biblical friends, and it's going to be so good. But before we get into it, I want to play a little game with you guys because there's some famous friendships. I don't know if you know this. There's some famous friendships, some famous uh, duos, dynamic duos, and I want to see if, if we are all on the same page with these, with these dynamic duos. So I'm going to read a name to you, and I want you to yell back at me their best friend or their dynamic duo. Does that make sense? Okay, so this is crowd participation. I need you guys to help me out. Um, I think you can do most of these. First one is this, Batman. Robin. Robin. I heard Zane call that one. That was good. Next one, Scooby. (laughs) Somebody said do. No, 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 no. Scooby's best friend is not do. It's Shaggy. That's right. That's right. Wow. That was amazing. Okay. Next one. C3PO. R2D2. That's right. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. SpongeBob. Patrick. That's right. Not Squidward. Couple more. Couple more. Couple more. Phineas. Phineas and Ferb. That's right. Um, this one is for this is one this one's for all my people who watch Friends. Chandler Bing. Joey. That's right. It's Joey. Of course. Okay. Um, this one, this one's a little older. I don't know if uh, everybody's gonna get this one. Calvin. Calvin and Hobbes, that's right. Calvin and Hobbes. Okay, shh. I got two more for you. Can y'all hang in with me? I got two more for you. This one's for all of my uh, people who watch as much YouTube as me, um, which is a lot. (laughs) Rhett. Wow. I thought more people were going to get that. That's right. Rhett and Link. Rhett and Link. I'm so proud of you. That's what I'm talking about. Last one. Last one. Buzz. Oh, my goodness. Y'all are killing me. You're giving me the last name, not the, de- not the best friend. That's right, Buzz and Woody. Okay, y'all are so smart. 
If you are planning, check this out. If you're planning on leaning in with me tonight, I need you to get your Bible, your journal, your phone, whatever you need to do to focus in on this word tonight. I believe God's got a word for every single one of us. I hope you came ready. I hope you came expecting to hear God. Um, we are kicking off this new series by looking at a story in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Um, and we're going to get to that, that in just a second. But for the next month, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be spending some time looking at this idea of friendship, specifically biblical friendship. And uh, there's a difference. <laughs> there's a difference between friendship and biblical friendship. How many of you in this room would say, um, I want to have friends? Yeah. I'm sure everybody would raise their hand on that. Um, how about this? How many of you would say you don't just want friends, but you would prefer to have like good friends? Like you would prefer to have friends that like treat you well and like don't talk crap about you and like don't beat you up, right? Would we all want friends like that? Like I've never, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure a hundred, a hundred percent of us in the room would say, yeah, I, like Jackson, I want good friends. I think we all want good friends. I've never heard somebody say this before. Never heard somebody say, hey, do you know any like bullies that would like to be my friend and just beat me up all day? Because I could really use a bully in my life right now. <laughs> like, no, nobody's said that before. Have you ever heard somebody say, um, hey, do you, know, do you know any people who like are really good at like sucking the joy out of people? Because I would just love to get all of my joy sucked out of me. You know any people who are like fun suckers? Because I would love to be friends with them so they could suck all the fun out of my life, right? Does anybody, have you ever heard somebody say that before? Like, no, of course not. Because I think it's safe to say that um, we, we all want to experience the power and the benefits that come with having good friends. Would you agree with me? Okay. So um, if we would, if, if we're going to say that we want to have good friends, then what we're actually saying when we say that is there's a right way and a wrong way to do friends. Are you hearing me? There's a right way and a wrong way to do friends. And we need to talk about that. And that sounds like kind of a, like a duh, like that sounds like a simple thing to do. But you got to understand we live in a world that tells us constantly there's not a right way or a wrong way to do things. You just do whatever you think is best. Like we live in a world where there's no truth. Maybe you feel this way or you know people who say this like, oh, it's your truth and my truth and you just do your thing and I'll just do my thing. You do friendships the way you think you're supposed to do them, and I'll do friendships the way I think I'm supposed to do them. Your truth, my truth. But here's what I want you to know tonight, New Song students. This kind of mindset, it helps nobody, and it hurts everybody. This type of mindset where we say there's no truth, you do you, and I'll do me, this kind of mindset, it hurts everybody, and it actually helps nobody. And so if you're like me, and you're like the 100% of people living on planet Earth who would say, yeah, I want to have a good uh, friendship in my life or I want to experience good friendships. If you're that person, then what you're saying is there's a right way to do friendships and there's actually a wrong way to do friendships. There's truth to friendships. So with that being said, if you're a Christian in the house, where my Christians at? If you are here today and you would consider yourself to be a Christian, here's what we believe. We believe in absolute truth. You need to know that. 
And we believe that this thing called the Bible is 100% truth. Everything in it, the whole thing, not just the parts I like, and then we'll just scrap the parts I don't like. I'm talking the whole thing is truth. Somebody say truth. The whole thing is truth. And in it, it talks about friendships. It talks about relationships. So where do we go to find out how to have good, healthy relationships and friendships? Where do we go? We go to scripture. And so we're going to be opening up scripture tonight because guess what? The Bible has so much to say about friendships, so much to say about it, how to choose good friends, how to be a good friend, how to be a friend like Jesus was a friend to people. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so um, I think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised at the take that we go with for this first week of this new series, which I'm so excited about. Squad goals. I need you to look to your neighbor and say, I got squad goals. I got squad goals. Okay. Our story, I told you to turn to it earlier. It's Luke chapter 19. We're going to read it in just a second. Um, This story, we're going to be looking at a guy who's a pretty good friend. You could probably think of him. Who do you think we're going to be talking about tonight? Jesus. That's right. We're going to be talking about Jesus. I'm so insecure about the way I say say Jesus because Annie makes fun of me because apparently I say it weird. So here we go with this whole message. We're talking about Jesus and how he is a good friend. Luke chapter 19, check this out. Y'all hanging in with me? Y'all here? Okay, check this out. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. Oh, who's heard of Zacchaeus before? Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to take a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Okay, so we find this guy named Zacchaeus. We've probably all heard of him before, right? He's short, but he ain't just short. He's rich. He's a guy who was a tax collector. So in the time of Jesus, in biblical times, when you had a government over a land, you would have these people called tax collectors, and they would do literally what their name is. They would collect taxes from people, and they would give it to that government that was over the the governing area. Now, here's the thing about most tax collectors of this day. They were greedy, and they would cheat people. So they would actually take more taxes then what people owed, stash some away for themselves, and then give the rest to whoever it was owed to. So this is Zacchaeus. So he's rich, literally stealing from people. So he's kind of a bad dude, right? He's a bad dude. This is where we find Zacchaeus. And what does he do when he finds out that Jesus is in town? What does he do? So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home. Zacchaeus climbed quickly. Somebody say quickly. He was like, quickly down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. People did not like what Jesus is doing to Zacchaeus. Why? Look at what they say. He has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner. 
So they're like, dude, why are you going to Zacchaeus' house? Do you know who he is? Do you know what he does? Meanwhile, this is what's happening with Zacchaeus. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give back four times as much. So there's like a heart shift happening in Zacchaeus, right? Some big things happening in his heart. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For this, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are, what's that last word? Lost. lost. Seek and save those who are lost. Tonight, um, I want to take some time defining friendships. We're going to look at Jesus and how he models friendship for us. The title of the message, if you're taking notes tonight, is I'll go first. I'll go first. I'll go first. But before we get into it, let's pray. I want to invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to invite God into this message tonight. Father God, I thank you so much for every single student in this room. And I thank you that you have called us not just to have good friends, not just to be intentional about friends, but above all else, you've called us to be Jesus to our friends. And so I pray tonight, Holy Spirit, that through this word, through my message, through what I'm saying, that you would breathe on the words that I say power and that they would touch every single heart tonight. Help us to see friendship the way you see friendship. Not the world, not our parents, not me, but you, God. We invite you in, Holy Spirit, and it's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Okay. Um, I've got a question for you tonight, New Song students. How many of y'all can relate to me when I say um, that some of the dumbest things that you've done in your life happened when you were bored? Yes. Can anybody relate to me when, when you say that? Some of the dumbest things that you've done in your life happened when you were bored. Anybody relate to me on this? Um, I want to I share a story of a dumb thing I did. In fact, this is one of the dumbest things Pastor Jackson has done. Um, so let me set the stage for this story. It's my junior year of high school. So um, I'm a junior in high school. I'm in marching band. I've talked about that before. I was on drumline. I was center snare, which if, you're, if you know about marching band, it's kind of a big deal. Uh, I'm not trying to brag on y'all. <laughs> just, I'm just sharing the facts. I'm just sharing the facts. <laughs> Some of you are all like, whoa, Jackson, center snare. That's what I want. I'm just being honest. I was in marching band. I played center snare. And every other year in marching band in Texas was a state year. And this happened to be a state year for our school, which means we're, we're spending the whole semester going to competitions to see if we can win state. And uh, this year in particular, we were like killing it at competitions. Our band was so good. And our, our director was like, I think we have a chance at winning state this year. So this is the stage I'm setting for you. Does this make sense? I'm a junior, state year, I'm playing drums. This is the stage. Now, one night, I find myself with one of my best friends at the time. Uh, grew up in middle school and high school together, did everything together. His name was Eric Raybon. And uh, me and Eric found ourselves bored one night. We were bored, and we were trying to find people to hang out with, and it was getting dark, so we couldn't skateboard anymore. And we're, we're walking around our, our elementary school and our middle school 
that we went to were like right next to each other. So we were just like talking on the playground and like just hanging out. Then we made our way over to our middle school and we're walking around on the football field and um, it's getting dark. And I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was me or if it was Eric, but one of us had just a really good idea, really great idea. Um, Eric was like, hey, Jackson, we're bored. What if we did this? What if I got down on my knee like this and you went way over there, like to the 20-yard line, and you just sprint, jump off my knee and swing from the football goal, from the field goal post on the football field? And uh, me being the... Me being the smart, uh, just godly, very wise young man that I was, I heard, I heard him telling me this idea, and I was like, Eric, you have never had a better idea in your entire life. So he gets down on his knee like this, and I go back to the, I go back to the 20-yard line, and I'm just sprinting. I jump off of his knee. I fly through the air. And I grabbed that field goal post, and I swing like Tarzan, and it was so dope. Didn't fall. No, for real. Didn't fall. It was awesome. I know, I know. I didn't fall. I swung, and we were both like, dude, that was pretty cool. So then Eric's like, hey, let's do it again, but I'm going to scoot back a little bit so you have to jump further. And I was like, I was like, Eric, that's the best idea you've ever had. I love you. And so we do it again. He gets on his knee. And I go back to the whatever yard line and I sprint and I jump and I remember this so vividly. In fact, if I think about it, I like get sick when I think about it, sick to my stomach. I jump off of his knee. I'm flying through the air. It's looking good. But my, my fingers miss the field goal post. And like I, like I touch it. I touch the tip of it, but I fall like this. So I'm, I'm as high as a field goal post, like falling backwards like this. And I go down to brace my body weight. And I land like this, all right? And I landed so hard that I shattered my elbow. Shattered my elbow, y'all. It was bad. It was really bad. So I remember the snap to this day. It's terrible. I get up and we're like, okay, we're going to the hospital. I go to the hospital, spend two days at the hospital, get surgery, screws in my elbow, the whole nine yards. And remember... It was a state year in marching band. Guess what? We went to state. We got third in state, and I got to do it all from the sidelines. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. So super, super dumb. Super, super dumb. Now, I say all of this to say this. After the whole thing kind of died down, and um, my arm got better, and I got my cast off, and eventually I got the screws taken out, um, I remember... um, now, I love my parents. I love my parents. I'm not trying to dog on my parents right now. But after the whole thing died down, um, they would always be really weary when I went to go hang out with Eric after this moment. <laughs> and uh, like, I'd be like, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to hang out with Eric. And they'd be like, really, Eric? Okay. Are you sure you want to do that? You, you know what happened last time when you hung out with Eric? You came back with a shattered elbow, Jackson. That's what happened. Um, and and, and I, I love my mom and dad. I love them. Um, but here's what, here's what was wrong with that equation. They had it all backwards. Eric wasn't the problem. It was their really, really smart son who decided it was a good idea to jump off of his knee onto a field goal post. Are you hearing me? 
It was not Eric that was the problem. It was me. Somebody say, it was me. Now, I say, I say all of this to say this. Sometimes our viewpoint of friendships as Christians can be backwards like this. It can be backwards. You've probably heard the saying before, show me who your friends are and I'll show you your future. You ever heard that before? Or how about this one? You're the average of all of your friends. So like whoever your friends are like, you're the average of that. Now, please hear me. I believe that there's truth to these statements uh, I think it's important to surround yourself with good people. I think it's important to be intentional with friendships. Um, but one of the things that I love about Jesus is he breaks this mold constantly. And we're going to look at Jesus and the way he does friendships. Jesus, what I love about him is he's constantly doing stuff all throughout the uh, New Testament that is just offending everybody. And he doesn't even give a rip what people think about him, right? Right? I love it. I love how just awesome Jesus is. Like there's that one story where Jesus, he is telling everybody, hey, if you want to inherit eternal life, here's what you got to do. You got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> kind of crazy. And, and everybody in the crowd is freaking out at what Jesus is saying. Jesus doesn't care. But there's that one point where in front of everybody, he just addresses the elephant in the room. And he's like, oh, does what I'm saying offend you? Because yeah. I really don't care. But I'm just going to say it anyway. Does this offend you? I love Jesus. And if you take time to look through the Gospels, read through them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you go through and read those, there's a trend that we see with Jesus. And it's that he constantly is offending people. He's constantly offending Pharisees, right? The religious people of the day. And he's constantly confusing people who are lost, who are sinners, kind of like this guy Zacchaeus in our story. And here's what they're thinking specifically in this story that we're reading tonight in Luke chapter 19. This dude has no idea how to pick friends. That's what they're thinking about Jesus right now. Right now. Goodness, I cannot talk tonight. That's what they're thinking about him. This dude Jesus has no idea how to pick friends friends. How can Jesus, how can this dude say that he's the son of God, but then, which that would mean he's perfect, by the way. How can he say that claim, make that claim and be found hanging out with people like Zacchaeus? How can he do that and hang out with sinners? Why is this kind of man inviting people who are nobodies like fishermen or even people like Zacchaeus, tax collectors, to be a part of his mission? Like, that doesn't make sense. Why is he doing that? Why is he invi inviting himself over to Zacchaeus' house? Is anybody going to let Jesus know who Zacchaeus is? Yo, Jesus, do you know who Zacchaeus is? Do you know what he's done? Do you know what kind of person he is? And what we see Jesus doing over and over again is break the mold of what it means to be a biblical friend. And I want to talk about this tonight, what it means. The people who were offended at Jesus for going to the house of a tax collector were probably thinking to themselves um, of this scripture in Proverbs 13, 20. It says this, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. So they're probably thinking about this scripture like, come on, Jesus, don't you know Proverbs 13, 20? If you hang out with Zacchaeus, you're going to become a tax collector. If you hang out with Zacchaeus, you're going to become a sinner. They're thinking, how is it that Jesus was able to be friends 
with this guy. And I want to ask this question. How is Jesus able to be friends with anybody? Anybody. Like he has the ability to be friends with the rich and the poor, the, the Pharisee and the sinner. And he never found himself being influenced or affected by any of those people. How does he do that? How does he do that? Well, I think some of us would say, well, it's because he's the son of God. He's Jesus. He's perfect. And I would agree there is a difference. We are not Jesus. We're not perfect. We're not the son of God. But we are Christians. And the, the word Christian literally means to be Christ-like. So that means we don't have to be perfect in this, but that means our friendships should be in the same realm as Jesus. I mean, it should look something like how Jesus did friendship. Um, and I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that you and I, that we should just go to the first person that we meet and be best friends with them, whether they're a sinner or not. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be intentional with the people we do life with and the friends that we choose. Here's what I'm trying to say, New Song students. I think Jesus shows us a maturity that we're called to walk in as Christians in friendship. He shows us a level of maturity that we're called to walk in that some of us in this room are walking in, some of us aren't. But we're called to walk in a maturity that says, I can be with people, doesn't matter who they are, and they're not going to instantly affect who I am and what I do. This is what I want to talk about tonight. In fact, I think when we look at not just this story specifically, but Jesus' whole life, I think there's two myths about friendships that he busts for us tonight. We're going to myth bust tonight, Mythbusters. Did anybody see that show? It's an old show. I loved Mythbusters. We're going to be busting some myths tonight. First myth about friendships is this. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Myth number one, friends are meant to meet my needs. Friends are meant to meet my needs. Now, there's a, there's a level of maturity that we see in Jesus that says, I understand that I'm the son of God, but I'm also human, and humans are created to be in friendships. Jesus understands I'm created to be in relationships, but that doesn't mean people and relationships are my source. Jesus understood God is my source. My father is my source, not people. In fact, we see Paul touch on this in his letter to the Philippian church. In this letter, what he's doing right here in chapter four, I'm gonna read to you in just a second. He's basically writing a thank you note to the Philippians because they've just been sending Paul gifts and they've been supporting Paul, sending, uh, sending him financial aid, helping him out. And Paul's writing the Philippian church a thank you note. Here's what he tells them. Look at this. At the moment, I have all I need. Somebody say, I'm good. Paul's saying, I'm good. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with, I'm going to try and say this word. It's a really hard word. Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. That's a hard one to say. Epaphroditus. Yeah, whatever. We're going to skip that. He says, thank you for sending me and supporting me with all of these gifts. Look at this. They are a sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. So what is he saying? He's saying, hey, thank you for sending me these gifts and supporting me and helping me. But look at what he says in verse 19, the very next verse. And this same God who takes care of me will take care and supply all, somebody say all, all of your needs 
from his glorious riches, which have been given to us through Christ Jesus. So hold on a second, Paul. You just said that these people helped you out. But then in verse 19, you said God helped you out. So who helped you out? In other words, what God is trying to say is, or what Paul is trying to tell the Philippian church, hey, you may have helped me and sent me gifts, and I thank you for that, but it was God who used you to help me, and the same God who supplies my needs is going to supply every single one of your needs. What is Paul teaching us? We need people in our life. We need friends, but God is my source, not people. God is my source, not people. And this is a level of maturity that is missing in a lot of Christians and most people in the world when it comes to viewing friends. We see most people, and we view most people, the relationships in our life, as a source to meet our needs. We look to people to meet needs that only God can fully fill. Doesn't mean he doesn't use people, but only God can fully fill. So we feel lonely and we think, I need to find a friend who can fill my loneliness. Or we think, I wanna feel accepted in a group, so I need to find any group that will accept me. And I will do anything it takes to get accepted into this group. And the second I'm not accepted, I'm out, right? Why is this? It's because there's a level of immaturity that says, I need people to fill this source instead of God. And what we do when we do that is we place imperfect people in the role that only a perfect God can fulfill. And guess what? When we do that, you're always going to get let down. When you place people as your main source for any need, whether it's love or security or acceptance or peace, whatever it is, you name it, when you set yourself up in a place where you're looking for people to fill that need, you will always be let down and you will always be hurt. Because guess what? People are going to be helpful, but not 100% of the time like God. They can't help you and be there for you 100% like God can. So how is it that Jesus was able to be friends with anyone? How is it that he was uh, not able to be let down by people? Like for instance, when Peter, his best friend, his literal best friend denies him three times, denies that he ever even knew him, how is Jesus able to look at Peter the same way he did when he first called him? Look at him no differently, not bitter at him, not avoiding him like, Peter, you know what you did to me? I'm not talking to you anymore. I'm ghosting you. Jesus didn't ghost Peter. How, did, how was he able to do that? It's because he was mature in his mindset on friendships and he realized God is my source and friends are the cherry on top. God is my source and friends are just the cherry on top. They're not the main thing in my life. They're great, they're important, but they don't make or break me. God is my source. And Jesus debunks the myth that friends are meant to meet our needs. Is this making sense to you, New Song students? He's showing us that we can live a life where God is enough, and that's it. God is enough. That's myth number one. Myth number two is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Friends are the reason why I am the way I am. That's a good one, and I'm going to read it again because you didn't get that. Friends are the reason I am the way I am. This is a myth. This is not true. In other words, what this myth is saying is, my friends are the reason why I messed up. Or, or if my friends are doing good things, then I'm automatically going to do good stuff. 
And if my friends are doing bad things, then I'm automatically going to do bad stuff. And this is where we, this is, this is where I want to focus on tonight, New Song students. This is where we tend to get a little backwards in our thinking when it comes to being a Christian in the church and having friends. You remember the story I told you about my friend Eric? Do you remember that story? Was anybody listening? Okay, just making sure you're a little quiet tonight. Um, when, uh, when I was hanging out with Eric and I shattered my elbow, did Eric force me to get on that goalpost? No, no, he didn't. He did not force me to get on that goalpost. He did not, he didn't make me do anything. I chose to do that. In fact, you know, even if he said something like, Jackson, if you don't jump off my knee and swing on this field goal post, then I'm not your friend anymore. Even if he said something like that, and I still did it, guess what? It still wouldn't be Eric's fault. All that would do is highlight, guess what? Insecurity in me that's like, I'll do anything for you to be my friend. And this is, this is what I'm wanting to show us tonight is that people don't make you do anything. You actually have the choice. At the end of the day, uh, God's given you the ability to choose sin or life. He's given you the ability. And this is a mindset that we can easily adopt as Christians. We can adopt this mindset of stay far away from people who may be bad and only hang out with people who are quote unquote good, right? And here's two huge problems with this kind of thinking. Number one, this is a powerless mindset. And I want to explain this. This is a powerless mindset. Check this out. This kind of mindset says people are the reason why I did what I did. I don't have a choice. They made me do it. And we actually see this powerless mindset in the very beginning of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 3, we find Adam and Eve. You know the story. God puts them in the garden, says, hey, you can do whatever you want, eat whatever you want, just don't eat this tree. What do they do? They sin. And this is what happens when God confronts Adam and Eve. This is so interesting. Look at this. God says, hey, who told you you were naked? The Lord asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, Adam replied, look at this response. It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Look at this. Adam didn't say, Adam didn't say, yeah, I did it, God, I'm sorry. No, the first thing he did was say, Eve made me do it. It's Eve's fault. It's that best friend that you gave me. She made me do it. And look, this kind of mindset, y'all, is powerless. This is a powerless mindset because it takes a gift that God gave you and I, and he gave Adam too, and it's this thing called choice and free will, and it says, I don't have that. It says, I can't make choices. My friends made me do it. And this is a, this is a problem that comes when we say, I, I can't be friends with certain people because of what they do. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be careful about the friends we hang out with, but I hope you see what I'm saying. Friends don't make you do anything. The reason why we ever sin because of friends is not their fault, but it's ours. It's the immaturity in our hearts. And God wants us to be mature friends like Jesus. Look at this, number two. This is the problem that arises with this kind of thinking. It takes away the ability for us to be used by God to change others. When we think this way, and we think, I don't have the choice, friends make me sin, 
what this does is it takes away our ability to be used by God to change the very people who may be influencing us. Because here's the reality. If Adam was secure like Jesus, if he was secure in who he was and trusted that God was true and what he said was right, if he had done that in this equation, we would have had a totally different outcome to Genesis chapter three because he wouldn't have done what Eve had did. He would have actually served her and led her like he was supposed to. When Eve came to him with that apple, knowing that she had sinned, the first thing Adam was supposed to do was say, hey, we need to go tell God about this. And we need, to, we need to apologize and we need to bring this straight to God. But Adam was immature in his thinking and he let Eve's sin influence his choice. And he was supposed to be the one that led Eve, but he ended up being led by Eve into sin. He was called to change Eve, but he didn't do that because he was immature in his thinking. Look at this, check this out. Matthew 28, this is the great commission. This is something that God, Jesus specifically, calls every single one of us to do. Look at this. It says this, therefore go. Somebody say go. go. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the end of the age. Okay, check this out, New Song students. Here's a legit question that we need to ask ourselves as Christians. This is a legit question. Is it possible to make disciples by only being friends with people who are just like us? Is it possible to make disciples when the only people who are our friends are people who listen to worship music and have never cussed a day in their life? I'm just being real with you, New Song students. Is it possible to do the very thing Jesus called us to do when we never open up outside of the cliques that we've formed? New Song students, Jesus broke the mold of friendship. Jesus modeled a biblical understanding of friendship uh, that says God is my main source. I actually don't need friends. I don't need to prove to you that I can be friends with you by doing things because I'm already good. I'm good with where I'm at with God. And so because of that, I don't have to prove to you anything. I just get to serve you and love you. This is what Jesus has called us to do. And this, what, this mindset that he had actually allowed him to do the very thing that he did with Zacchaeus, which is be a friend to him. This is what, this mindset, this maturity that Jesus walked in was the, was the very thing that allowed him to be a friend of sinners, but not a sinner. Are you hearing me, New Song students? He walked in a, a level of maturity that understood, I have the power to choose God's best, and I want you to be able to do that as well. I have the power to choose God's best, and I want that for you too. Worldly thinking, check this out. Worldly thinking sees friends as an outlet to get what you need. But Jesus flips this whole thing on its head, flips it upside down and he says, friends are your opportunity to love. Friends are your opportunity to love. Look at this, John 15, 12 says this. I love this passage. This is a humbling passage and it is hard to do. This is not easy to do. My commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this 
to lay down one's life for one's friend. Jesus challenges us to see people in our life, the friends we're surrounded by, not as an opportunity for you to give me what I think I need or for for me to, to use you to fulfill some need in me, but you are just a person I get to love and serve. That's how we're called to see friends. Instead of viewing friends as a tool to get what you need, Jesus calls us to a level of maturity that says, no, God's got everything I need. And since God's got everything I need, I'll go first. I'll go first. I'll reach out first. I'll serve you first. I'll serve you even when you don't deserve it. I'm not gonna be shocked when you mess up because you're a human just like me. And I'm not just gonna throw you away when you do me dirty because you're a human like me. I'll go first. I'll serve first. I won't wait till you reach out for help. I'll reach out first. I will love first. This is the type of friendship that God's called you and I to walk in. The truth is that at the end of the day, we are all just like Zacchaeus in the story. No matter how good we might be today, guess what? We all started off as a tax collector. We all started off falling short of the glory of God. So who are we to keep our righteousness hidden away because of what we've done now and because of the difference that we see in other people? That's like having the cure for cancer and keeping it from anybody who has cancer because you don't wanna catch cancer. We have the good news. We have the cure and we are called to be friends like Jesus who loves. Doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter what they've done. Doesn't mean you have to be best friends with every single person you meet. Please hear me. Doesn't mean you need to find the worst person in your school and be best friends with them. But what it does mean is you're called to love them. You're called to go first. I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes tonight, New Song students. There's two type of people here tonight that are hearing this message. And I want us to be real with ourselves tonight. I want us to invite the Holy Spirit in, invite him to say what he wants to say, how he wants to say it. Maybe you find yourself here tonight. And if you would be honest with yourself, you have been looking at friends with an immature mindset. What do I mean by that? I mean, you've been looking at the people around you or in your life and you've been looking at them as a tool or a source for you to get what you need. If that's you tonight, I don't want you to feel shame. You don't need to feel guilty. The Bible says there's no condemnation in Jesus, but you do need to acknowledge that mindset. So if that's you tonight, I wanna invite you to just rededicate that God is your source and people are not. Maybe you need to do that right now in your heart, under your breath. God, you are my source. Maybe you need to say that right now in your heart, under your breath. God, you are my source. And I'm sorry for making people a source that only you can fill. Maybe you're here tonight and um, there's some people around you 
Maybe there are friends in your lives that are, that are not good influences and you have not been walking in the maturity that you're called to. And what I mean by that is you haven't, you haven't been doing bad things, but you also haven't been speaking truth to them. And I know that's a hard place to be. It's a scary place to be when you're with somebody who's close to you, but maybe sees the world differently than you. But can I tell you something, New Song student, you are called to be Jesus to them. And so if that's you and you know that person, the second I talk about them, you've got a person in your mind, I want you to just invite the Holy Spirit to give you boldness to be that friend to them, to be Jesus to them. All you gotta do is just say this, Holy Spirit, I ask for boldness. Holy Spirit, help me, give me the words to say when I'm with them. I don't know what to say. That's okay, the Holy Spirit will help you. Give me the words to say, Holy Spirit. Father God, I thank you so much for every single person here tonight. And I thank you for this new series, Squad Goals. I thank you so much for what you're gonna teach us. I thank you that friendships are going to change forever because of what we go through this month. I thank you that eternities are gonna be shifted forever because of the new song students in this room who are committed to placing you as their source and not people. And when we place you as our source, God, there's so much you can do through us. So help us to do that. I pray that small groups tonight, God, you would help us to be real, transparent, and talk about this in a way that brings glory to you and brings direction in our hearts. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen.